Ducks fans. Are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast with your hosts, Mike Walters and Eddie Jones. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, along with my co-host, Eddie Jones, and we have a great show for you this week. You're probably super happy as a Ducks fan. The Ducks have won three games in a row uh, coming out of the trade deadline break. So, uh, you know, as our show usually goes, we're going to cover those games. We're going to talk about some of the Ducks' uh, performances and things that we've seen in the last week uh, and actually last couple weeks. And we'll also talk about uh, some comments that Murray made um, recently. We uh, talked about it on our show uh, back uh, covering the trade deadline, but we're going to talk a little bit more about that. We'll also talk, uh, uh, you know, a little bit ahead looking to the playoffs and also the matchups coming up in the next uh, week or two. So with that, we're going to go to the Ducks coming out of the break. And they ended up playing Columbus first. Um, and they ended up taking them out 4-2, uh, to two, a good solid game. Uh, the Ducks didn't make too many changes at the trade deadline. Everybody was concerned. They wondered what would happen. And in this game, kind of an interesting game. Uh, Columbus scored first. And then uh, Ricard Raquel, who has uh, been on fire lately, uh, scored to tie the game. And then the uh, second period, <laughs> there was a lot of interesting things going on, uh, Eddie, especially uh, for the Ducks shorthanded, as uh, Andrew Cogliano scored a shorthanded goal. Manson, who was on the penalty, gets out of the box. He scores a goal, which, in essence, the Ducks get two goals out of this uh, you know, penalty um, instead of Columbus getting some of the uh, you know points uh, that they thought they might have gotten. And the Ducks ended up winning this one, Eddie. Uh, they start out of the break with a 4-2 win over Columbus. Yeah, I mean, we kind of pegged this as maybe not the easiest game of the trip, but definitely not the hardest. I think Washington is what we thought would be the most difficult game of the three. But, but I think it was an all-around good effort. And like you said, it was kind of a funny situation with Cogliano and Manson because they kind of pulled the same type of move. They both went five-hole on Bobrovsky, and it's kind of like they had the book on him a bit. Uh, when they knew if they were going to get a breakaway to go five hole, it's not it's not an easy goal to beat by any means. So for Cogliano, who's notoriously not that great on breakaways, and Josh Manson to to beat him five hole, uh, I mean within about a minute and a half span, it is pretty funny. But yeah, I think I think it was a strong effort for them. I, I mean they they had a solid game. They obviously ended up winning four to two, so it, it was a pretty good effort. And you know this was kind of the first time as well. We got to see Chris Kelly and Jason Chimera uh, playing on a line together. I think they played with uh, Derek Grant, or maybe might have been Antoine Vermette in this game. It was they've kind of been split between the two, but they didn't look that bad in this game. I, I thought they were pretty good. Yeah, as you said, they, you know, some of the people were calling them, you know, the old guys or whatnot, because you know a lot of people were upset with, uh, you know, some of the comments that Murray made. Uh, obviously, after the trade deadline, oh, our team got faster. But if you watched uh, Chimera, I mean, he did make some plays in there where he did break in on the net and had some good speed. So, you know, nothing to take away from those guys. Um, they actually provided a little bit, you know, um, maybe less than what some people thought. But, you know, they're in there on the fourth line. They're helping out this team. Uh, Kelly's in there, too, which some people didn't think he was going to be in the, the lineup. Or if he was, it was on the, you know, the fourth line, which he was. So the Ducks look good there. Uh, the biggest surprise probably in this game was right before uh, Ryan Getzoff uh, was announced with an illness and he did not play. So Grant uh, filled in in his spot and Vermette played with those guys on the fourth line. So, uh, you know, a little bit shakeup of the lineup in this game. You kind of thought, hmm, how is this one going to go with uh, the captain being gone? And it really didn't affect the Ducks. Uh, 
you know, they they won in the faceoff circle 57% of the time. The shots are pretty even. Um, the penalty kill for uh, the Ducks was great. It was four for four. Um, that's kind of, you know, a theme, really, Eddie, with this uh, week coming out of the uh, trade deadline. The Ducks' defense has been great. Uh, you know, Gibson and Nett as well. And that's been really the key is the Ducks, you know, right now are on this three-game winning streak as we'll talk about the other two games in a minute. Yeah, and kind of noting on those two things, uh, I mean, the Ducks tweeted out today on, on how Gibson has been the best goaltender in the National Hockey League since the All-Star break. Uh, I mean, he's been on fire. He has, like, I think it was a 9.53 save percentage and like a 1.5, 1.6 goals against average, which are insane numbers. And, and to think he only had the one shutout in that span, which was last night, is crazy as well. But yeah, he's he's definitely been one of the Ducks' best players all season. We talked about on the last show, which seems like forever ago now, that uh, that he was a guy who should be in the discussion for the Vesna. He should right be pretty much up there with Rene and, and Vasilevsky, other than the fact that he he has only twenty five wins when you're looking at those guys and they're getting close to forty. But uh, he's definitely a real reason the Ducks are having success as of late. And then, like you said, defense as well. I mean, this game here was the first time in a while that the Ducks put Lindholm and Manson back together while also having Fowler and Montour together. And now it looks like they actually have, you know, uh, two top pairings on this team. And it's something that the Ducks have been looking for for a while. We talked about all day on our trade deadline show on the Ducks picking up a defenseman to play with Fowler. And it turns out they've had the guy in their system the entire season. They've just been splitting them up, playing them with Bochum and Bieksa. Uh, I mean, Patterson helps a lot that he can come up and, and play a decent role. And now Bochum and Bieksa can kind of rotate out of the lineup. But uh, I don't want to say who knew the Ducks had you know two good pairings because I think everybody knew if they could just move some guys around, it would work out. But it, it's nice that you know that chemistry now between Fowler and Montour is complementing the chemistry we always knew was there between Lindholm and Manson. Yeah, I think you're exactly right, and that, and that really showed in these three games. I mean, those pairings have been working out. You know, uh, as you mentioned, uh, Pedersen, he's been rotating in uh, ever since he's been called up, really, over the last two weeks. He did it here as well, you know, and it, like you said, it's giving BX and Boschman a rest. Uh, Peterson's coming in, um, you know, really good puck possession numbers. I mean, he's not he's not scoring, you know, hardly a whole lot. He did get a goal, though, in this, in this uh, three-game stretch, which was nice to see, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but he's come in not really making a lot of mistakes um you know maybe here and there little things he can improve but i mean coming in and and doing what he's doing we thought maybe it might have been a band-aid we didn't know if it was going to be a permanent thing if you know murray was going to do something on the trade deadline on the on the defense which he ended up not doing and we'll talk a little bit about that um, a little bit later in the show but i mean so far so good and you know the next test after columbus was chicago and, you know, whenever the Ducks play Chicago, it seems to always be interesting. Um, Getzoff returned in this one. And we've seen it before where the Ducks have played them and, and they've had, you know, a hard time. But this game, it, it was a weird game because, first off, it was really early. It was, you know, a 1 o'clock uh, Pacific time start, which was kind of kind of crazy. But um, the Ducks, basically, they, they, they went nuts in this game, Eddie. I mean, they ended up dropping six goals on... Uh, Chicago in this one gets off returned and I mean the Ducks they just played well again this the defense as you talked about all the pairings they did what they had to do um, Gibson was on point you know um, the Blackhawks had a couple power plays they didn't score uh, the Ducks cashed in on one of their power plays um, you know probably the only bad thing was the Ducks gave up 40 shots in this game but I mean overall you you really have to like how they've continued this effort 
um, you know, playing a pretty good defense and, you know, the offense, I mean, you can't, I mean, you got 10 goals in two games. I don't know if you can really ask for that much more, Eddie, at this point. Yeah. And I mean, this isn't the Chicago team we're really used to seeing either. I mean, this is a team that has, has struggled this season is, is most likely barring, I, I, I don't even know if they're actually in playoff contention anymore. Uh, if they were, they'd pretty much have to win out and, and hope a lot of the teams around them lose to get into the playoffs. So this is kind of a, a new look to, to a Chicago team we're used to being so strong. And the Ducks took advantage of them. Specifically, in the first two periods, they were a lot better than Chicago. I, I think the third period, which has kind of been a trend for the Ducks lately, they, they kind of got caved in. Um, you know, the, And obviously, the, it was ended up being two goals that they scored in the third and then two goals that Chicago scored. So, you know, being up 4-1 going in, into the third period, you can hang back a bit. But, you know, we saw that in the game against, uh, sorry, against, um, not Columbus, against Washington as well. So it, it's kind of becoming a trend. But you can't complain. I mean, the Ducks come out of this with a 6-3 win. Looks like Perry and Silverberg were finally getting their confidence back because Perry had two goals in this one. Silverberg had two uh, this is probably the Kessler, Cogliano, and Silverberg's best line. Or sorry, they're that line's best game of the season as well. So everything kind of trending in the right direction for the Ducks. Coming out, beating a, a pretty good Columbus team who's fighting for a playoff spot, and then coming out against a team in Chicago who always plays hard uh, and getting a, a 6-3 win, and the goal scoring's there, like you said. Yeah, and then, you know, we talk about uh, Kessler, and I mean, if, I'm sure you all have heard already all the stuff. You know, Dan Wood and Steve Carroll talk about this. Uh, you know, it's mentioned on some of the other broadcasts. But you know that he's uh, not 100%. You know he has to do a great deal of exercises and warm-ups and all these things to go out there and play. And I, what I was surprised about, Eddie, in this game, especially being there in person watching is, is he and Tabes go at it. And, uh, you know, he gives them a nice shot right in the, in the kisser, really. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I was, that amazed me because I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm going, wait a sec, uh, that's Tabes? I mean, I, I, don't, I can't – honestly, I don't remember a time where I've seen Tabes drop the gloves like that. I mean, you've seen him in, you know, little scrums and all that kind of stuff. But I like seeing that with Kessler. I mean, he's just like, whatever. You know, I'm not 100%. I don't really care. And, I mean – I thought that this game was an attitude game for the Ducks. And I think the fact that they played Chicago, we know that, you know, when Chicago comes to town, it's it's always a good game. Uh, you know, some of their fans uh, come to the games and it's a, a tough battle. And I just, I really liked the way this game went, Eddie. I, I'm not going to lie. I knew Chicago wasn't, you know, at the point of how they've been doing the season. As you mentioned, they've struggled and whatnot, but they always seem to get their game up when they play the Ducks. And the Ducks really took it to him. You know, other than laying off the gas a little bit in the third period, I thought it was a pretty solid effort. And I, I just like the the attitude that that Kessler line scoring, defense, and fighting. I mean, I, I really thought that line was the best line in this game. Yeah, like I said, I think that was the, the that line's best game of the season as well because they've kind of been struggling, and a lot of that's attributed to the fact that Kessler obviously is not 100%. But you got to put some onus on Coglano and Silverberg as well, and I think this was one of Silverberg's best games of the season in this one too. So nice to see them step up. I mean, it didn't continue into the next game against Washington, but I don't think they had necessarily a bad game. If you look at the the, the stats, they, they kind of got outplayed by Backstrom and Ovechkin, but the Ducks ended up coming out with a shutout in, in, in that one. So you can't really complain. It, they're going to need them to be at their best come playoffs or be at least close to their best um, because, you know, all of a sudden the Henrik, Cash, and Richie line we've been talking about for almost over a month isn't really producing at the rate that they were. And, I mean, we kind of expected that. But 
you know, now this line has stepped up. Obviously, Getzlaff and Raquel and, and Perry, to some extent, well, as well, have been the Ducks' best line over the last five or six games, which is something they need as, uh, going into the playoffs. Yeah, and, and you talked about that. That's true. It seems like the lines have kind of shifted a little bit. You know, in that game against Washington, Henrique did get the first goal, which, uh, you know, was basically by a nice pass by Raquel. The Ducks had an early power play in that game. They scored, you know, just a minute, 24 seconds into this one. And then uh, Hampus Lindholm, who's, you know, he's kind of picked up his offensive game. He gets a, uh, another goal, which, you know, he's been starting to score now. Uh, Ricard Raquel, as we said, you know, I mean, he's been going nuts. He had that hat trick, obviously, against Edmonton, and since then has started to pick up his play, and Richie ends up getting an empty net. But uh, this was a big test. You know, the Ducks played Washington out of these three games. We knew this was going to be the most difficult one. And, again, Washington's a team that when they come to Anaheim, too, they play the Ducks, you know, extremely tough. So I liked what I saw in this game uh, for the most part. Um, the Ducks, again, on defense, they shut out the Capitals on the power play. I mean, they shut them out completely, but, you know, they just stuffed them. Uh, the Capitals had 19 turnovers. The Ducks blocked 23 shots. I mean, the defensive effort there from the Ducks was really good in this game. The Ducks did get out shot 36-18. I, I thought the game kind of got, I don't want to say necessarily boring, Eddie, but I think it got, you know, like we talked about in the third period, just kind of like, eh, they already had the lead, and yeah, let's just coast to it, which... I don't mind, you know, but it, it makes me nervous a little bit. But when you're up by three or four goals and you're playing at least decent defense, um, usually good things are still going to work out for you. Yeah, and when you look at, like, the flow of the game, they were really playing a solid game, kind of even in shot attempts with Washington throughout the game into the end of the second period, which showed, I mean, they were up 3 nothing. Washington was leading the shots. There was only 21-13 at the time, which is still an eight-shot advantage, but... Um, I think the Ducks were controlling the play for the most part, obviously, I mean, again, being up 3 nothing. But that third period, it was the same against Chicago, uh, to some extent as well against Columbus, and, and this was the worst third period, I think, that they played. I mean, they come out of it not not conceding a goal. A lot of it is on the shoulders of John Gibson, for sure. But they just bled shot attempts in that third period. It, it was not a great period by them. Um, they got outshot, I believe, 15-5. to five in that third period just kind of coasting i mean a three goal lead is a, is a pretty big lead but by no means is it safe especially in the national hockey league nowadays so you can't really do that against a team who who has ovechkin on their first line uh has kuznetsov who was on a roll backstrom as well they've tj oshi they got a lot of guys who can hurt you and i think the ducks got a little bit lucky to get out of that one uh with the shutout even with the win necessarily getting two points because i think carlson hit the post in the third period you had ovechkin had a couple chances and I think if it wasn't for John Gibson, you know, the Ducks, it would have been a close game rather than being a 4 nothing shutout. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you there. And I think a lot of people out there are looking at this in the way that the Ducks season is gone. And we all knew in the beginning that Gibson kept this team alive. I mean, obviously Miller did too at different points as well. And I think that's really the key. We talked about the trade deadline and one of the, the things that we had mentioned was that the Ducks are going to have to ride John Gibson, especially when they didn't do a whole lot. You know, obviously they sent Wagner away and got Chimera. They signed all-star Chris Kelly, um, you know, as everybody wasn't too happy on, on his signing either. And so part of the key for this team was to pick up the defense and for the goaltending to be stellar. 
And the Ducks have pretty much got that, Eddie. Um, I, I mean, you're looking at what's going on lately. As you mentioned, the pairings of uh, Lindholm and Manson. You look at Fowler and Montour, uh, the rotation of Peterson in there. It, it looks like everything's going pretty good on defense. There's you know, not too many breakdowns, maybe a, a little bit um, less of a forecheck in the third period. That's probably the biggest concern I've seen you know, in the last uh, week or so with this team is uh, you know, maybe a little bit of the killer instincts not there, but – if you're if you're getting three or four goals in the first two periods, I mean you don't really need the killer instinct in the third period. I mean you you, you want it. You, you maybe want to blot some teams and get you know five or six goals, which the Ducks did do in the Chicago game. But I think overall you have to be really happy with the way that this team has responded. Um, you know they were playing very very well up until those games against Arizona and Edmonton, and everybody kind of was a little annoyed. They go into the trade deadline. Not too many um, things had happened then. People were more annoyed with Murray. But the way that this team has come out of there since then, you know, going three and zero. And I mean, overall, I mean, really, you know, dominating these other teams uh, for the most part, like we said, other than maybe some of the third period play. I mean, as, as a Ducks fan right now, you've got to be uh, super ecstatic, Eddie. I mean, the Ducks are even in second place now. And if you look, they're less than 10 uh, points away from Vegas. Yeah, and really the only issue, I think, is the third periods, like you said. Because at, at some point, if you continue to play like that, it's going to come back to hurt you, and you're going to end up losing points. You, you might even lose two points in a game, a, a pretty big game. You know, They've got some, some important matchups coming up now against Nashville and Dallas, which are going to be difficult games. It's a little small two-game road trip. You can't really do that against those teams, especially Nashville, if you're going to look to come out with a, with a point or two. So that's something they can work on. But other than that, I mean, this team has looked great. You know, you've got the Raquel, who has six goals in his last four games. He's turned it on. Getzlaff has been playing extremely well. Perry's been playing well. The Kessler line has stepped it up a bit. Maybe Henry, Cash, and Richie have slowed down a bit, but they're not awful. They're still playing playing pretty well. Um, as for the fourth line, you're not seeing it too much. I think they played about seven, eight minutes in the game against Washington, which isn't a ton. They're, they're not making a huge impact. So, I mean, there's not much to go wrong there. I think the big difference, again, is now having Lindholm and Manson back together which you need. I mean, you need to have these two guys together. It was a nice experiment trying to put Pedersen with Manson, but it didn't work out too well. Uh, Lindholm, as, as good as he is, could not keep BX or Boschman afloat. So now right. having that pairing back together, which is the Ducks' best pairing, you've got Fowler and Montour, who have just all of a sudden turned into a dominant pairing for the Ducks. And you know, we saw them together sparingly before Pedersen came up, but rarely because it was Fowler, BX, uh, Boschman Montour that they seem to go to and then all of a sudden Pedersen comes up and it makes a huge difference not really necessarily for Pedersen's play and I'm not saying he's played bad but they don't play him a lot I mean he played 12 minutes against Washington that seems to be around his average of what he's playing for the Ducks and and you know they're just really not putting that third pairing out there a lot which is pretty good because usually that third pairing also consists of either Boschman or Bieksa uh, and the less they're on the ice the better this season but uh, I had put these numbers together uh, two games ago, so you know, bear with me on the stats, but the, the Montu and Fowler have looked good in the games against Chicago and Washington as well. But in the seven games since Pedersen's been called up, because that's when they were uh, put together first, uh, the controlled shot attempts are at about 58% Quincy 4. They've controlled scoring chances for it, so they've been on ice for 60% scoring chances for it compared to scoring chances against 
and their high danger chance for as well are around 59%. So they're just controlling the play every time they're on the ice. Uh, and it's continued in these games against Chicago and Washington as well. And it's just a difference maker to have two pairings who can actually control play when they're on the ice. And it's something the Ducks haven't really been able to put together for most of the season. And it's kind of funny that it's been right under the, their nose this whole time. And all it really took was not having Beauchemin and Bieksa in the lineup together and bringing in a guy who's just reliable in Marcus Pedersen, who, who isn't you know a veteran, a slow guy, a guy who's, who's prone to, to giveaways, uh, a guy who bleeds shot attempts. You bring in a guy like Pedersen, who, who of course isn't keeping Bieksa or Beauchemin afloat, but he's doing a better job. He's making better plays than you would see from those two guys. And it allows the Ducks to just lean on the top four defensemen that they have. And, and teams can do that. We, I mean, we're talking about Chicago and the fact that they're no longer a dynasty. But, but remember when they were lighting it up in the playoffs and, and winning Stanley Cups, they relied on their top four. And, and their bottom pairing was, I think at one point, it's like Roosevelt and Kimo Timonen were playing like 12 minutes a night because they could rely on Keith Seabrook Yamilson and Oduya and the Ducks have that top four now where I think if they were to go into the playoffs and have those guys paired together they can make a long run with who they have yeah I agree with you if you if you look at the way that the defense is played and the way the pairings have done you're absolutely right the way that the puck is being controlled the way that the passes are being made from the defensive zone there are a lot crisper I think you know Manson and Lindholm they work very well together obviously Fowler and Montour um, they're both uh, great puck uh, moving defensemen so that works out as well so I like we've talked about the Ducks have really figured this out I think that they've got the pairings down they've had Peter uh, Pedersen in there and they you know not having uh, Boschman and Bieksa both there which I know some people don't like one some don't like the other which you know we're not going to get in that discussion but I, I think just having you know them both not in together is really the answer here so I like what I've seen. You know, the the other part, I forgot to mention this during the Columbus game, though, too, Eddie, is uh, I like to see Fowler's aggressiveness now. I mean, mm-hmm. um, you might have seen him flying around uh, in an arena, and, and, and there were some gifts <laughs> in that game where he uh, he tried yeah. to help out Cagliano and kind of did a swing and a miss. But no, but seriously, I, I, I like the fact that they've been more aggressive, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's been a key of, you know, stepping up in the play. Uh, reading the defense, making those good outlet passes. And that's, I think, a huge part of why the Ducks have turned this around because if, you know, you're going to not get your forecheck going as much or you're going to make a mistake, I mean, the Ducks really, these three pairings, like you said, they, they don't put the third one out there as much, but you've got these top two pairings and they've just been really reliable. And I think that's a, a big part of why the Ducks have, uh, you know, really made this push um, right now as we go into the final uh, three, four weeks of the season. I mean, it's amazing what happens when talent is complemented with talent. Like, we had, you know, never really seen Fowler and Montoya together for an extended period of time until this point. And it's just amazing to see what happens when you can actually put two guys who, who can play well and put them together, and oh, wow, all of a sudden they actually play well together. And, and I mean, it doesn't necessarily happen all the time, but you take uh, what the pairings were before when you had Fowler playing with an anchor in BX, and you had Montour playing with an anchor in Beauchemin, and it wasn't really allowing them to, to play to their strengths. And now you've got arguably the two best skaters on the blue line together, and there's a lot more freedom. There's a lot more creativity. I mean, we're even seeing them paired together on the power play, and Montour has taken 
Getzlaff's spot on the power play, and the power plays actually looked more dangerous because of it. I, I feel like Montour is playing to his strength, playing on that left side, being able to get off some shots. Hasn't scored, but I think he, he makes the power play a little bit more dangerous, being able to put him in that spot. and gives Getzlaff a little bit more freedom to work the puck around uh, along the boards. So I've liked, yep. I've liked it so far, and I think it's kind of been a long time coming. You know, we had such a small sample size before they got put together, so you really couldn't judge it because it was just the, the odd time that they got put together, and we are like, oh, that looks pretty cool. But then we would see Boschman get packed, paired back with Montour and Fowler back with BX, and we didn't really get a good taste of it. And I think that's how important being able to call up Marcus Pedersen has been. And, and, you know, his impact on the team hasn't been outstanding. I think he's been good. But just the flexibility that this team now has to not have to put Boschman and BX out uh, on a nightly basis together has allowed them to, to be able to put Fowler and Montour together. And, and it really seems like they're going to be together for the rest of the season. I, I don't see why they would really be split apart. No, I, I think if the Ducks are going to you know continue this push, that they've got to do you know what they've been doing on defense right now, as you've talked about. And, and we've got some fan questions, too, about the playoffs we'll get to in a little bit and uh, possible matchups and the division will go into all of that as well. But, you know, you mentioned uh, Peterson and him coming up. Uh, you know, the, the rosters uh, become expanded after the trade deadline. There's other players that can come up. Uh, we'll talk about some of the things that Murray said in just one second. But one guy that we got to talk about that's really been blowing it up uh, in the minors, Eddie, is uh, Maxim Comtois. I mean, he's, this yeah. guy has just been killing it. He's, you know, the second uh, time he's been the CHL player of the week. Uh, the Ducks did end up signing him to an entry-level contract. Um, I know you're able to see a little bit more of the action uh, where you're at, but uh, talk about this guy a little bit. You know, some of the fans may not know too much about him, but he's he's been scoring like crazy. He's been playing well, and uh, he's definitely one of the guys, you know, as, and we always talk about Jones and Steele and Terry and all those guys, but he's one, uh, you know, for the Duck fans to watch here in the next uh, couple seasons. Yeah, and I think it dates back to the draft where he kind of fell a bit from where he was projected to go at the beginning of, of his draft season. He was originally projected to go in middle first round, middle to late first round, which is, is pretty considerable when you, you think the fact the Ducks drafted him 50th overall in the middle of the second round. So he had a poor drafter at 51 points in 64 games, only scored 22 goals, so it wasn't that great. The Ducks kind of get a steal in, in getting him in the second round. And this season has been kind of the return of the player everybody expected him to be. And really since he came back from World Juniors, he's just been on fire. So over his last 16 games, because he's on a 16-game point streak right now, he's got 37 points with 21 goals and 17 assists. So he's just been on fire, and it shows, like you said, he was CHL Player of the Week for the week going from February 5th to February 11th. And then he was CHL Player of the Week for the most recent week from February 26th to March 4th. So he's just been on fire. He's sitting, at, I believe, 6th or 7th in QMJHL scoring with 76 points in 50 games. He's got 41 goals in those 50 games too, so he's just been lighting it up. And he's definitely the guy who's risen the most out of any of the Ducks prospects. Unfortunately, Max Jones has been injured for a majority of the second half of the season haven't really seen him play much with his new team since he got traded from London. So I really think now, just based on their play, it, it's still Sam Steele because he still is having a strong season with Regina. Obviously not comparable to what he did last year, but I think Maxim Comtois has worked his way up into the upper echelon of Ducks prospects and has really kind of wowed everybody with his play because he's not really getting carried by anybody either. I mean, he's playing with Abramov, who's a, a good young player in Columbus's system, but... 
he's really pulling his own weight on that line and turned into an elite goal scorer in that league. So it's promising. And, and I, I love the fact that he got rewarded and was able to sign an entry-level contract with the Ducks. Um, you know, everybody should calm their expectations a bit because I know we're hyping him up here. <laughs> he's not going to be with the Ducks next year. Um, I think the way the Ducks lineup is set, it kind of seems like their top nine is it's kind of is what it's going to be for the next right. season. Even if they add in the off season uh, during the free agency, I mean, the only guy you could see maybe moving down to the fourth line is Nick Ritchie, and unfortunately, I think that hurts his development more than anything. So I don't see him making the team unless he has a great camp. Maybe he gets a tryout. I think that's at at most uh, not eligible to play for the goal, so he'll most likely be back in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League next year, which is fine. I think it's good for his development to get another season in junior uh, and prove that this isn't just a one-off, that he can do this on a consistent basis and dominate that league and then maybe come up the season after that and play for the goals. Uh, And while we're on the topic of prospects, I feel the same way about Sam Steele and Max Jones as well. They won't be actually eligible to go back to junior next year, so we'll be able to see them with the goals, which is pretty exciting. But I don't see them making the team out of camp unless they have a, a really outstanding outstanding camp, camp sorry, and can beat somebody out of, the, out of a roster spot. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, all this uh, prospect talk. This actually really came up at the, uh, the Hockey Hot Stove event uh, with Uri uh, this past week. You know, we put out a big article on there. Um, you know, he talked a little bit about the trade deadline. It's stuff that you and I pretty much talked about on the show before and also in the ar- article we had recapping all that. So we're not really going to go too much in the trade deadline. If you really want to hear all that, there's our last podcast. We really went into that. There's even the live show, which I don't know if you want to go back and see five hours of Eddie and I talking to each other uh, about what's going what it's was going to happen if you want to see it <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you want to see us sitting there as we're trying to figure out what's going on and you know obviously what didn't go on but uh, but but that was um it's interesting that we're talking about this and it's because murray's discussion you know he he talked about the trade deadline but then uh some of the fan questions asked you know what is he going to do now what's the big thing and he said that well his focus is on the prospects now, you know, specifically these guys, he mentioned Comtois, he mentioned Sam Steele, Mahura, he mentioned these guys and, and their availability down the stretch. I thought one of the biggest things that was kind of interesting is he was talking about Troy Terry and he was really big on him too, Eddie. He was looking to see to get him to sign an entry-level deal. And he made mention, I don't know if it's going to happen, but he's saying, you know, when when Denver season's over that, you know, he could possibly join the Ducks down the stretch too, which, as you all know, there's the whole thing called the Black Aces where all these uh, players can come and at least, you know, practice and hang out. doesn't necessarily mean they're going to play, but as the rosters are now expanded, they can come hang out. So he's really big on the prospects, and this is the reason why uh, it goes back to him not selling the farm so much at the trade deadline where some people were upset because – He's looking at this, and he he even mentioned at this event, he's like, you know, some fans don't remember all the rebuilding that went on after winning the first Stanley Cup. People forget about that. Mm-hmm. Where there were a couple of years where the Ducks, it was really rough, and he doesn't want this team to go through it. So, you know, he's going to spend time looking at his prospects, seeing how they're going to do. Um, like we said, he got Comtois signed to a deal. He's, he's going to work on Terry to get one signed to a deal. And I think, you know, he's trying to keep this team in the right direction. And when the, the Perrys and Getzloffs and Kesslers and things like that, um, you know, are either going to be retiring or who knows what's going to happen, you know, a couple of years down the road. But uh, he wants his team to still be in contention. And I think he's done a good job with that. And I think the future for the Ducks is still going to be pretty good. 
Yeah, I, I think so. I think he's working in the right direction to make this more of a retool than a rebuild. And we talked about this before, even before the trade deadline, when we were talking about maybe moving prospects. You've got guys like Sam Steele and Max Jones, and now Maxim Comtois, who can jump in the lineup. Obviously, Troy Terry uh, and Antoine Morand, who's, who's having a strong season as well. So you've got all these guys who can maybe jump into the top nine within the next couple seasons when we're looking at probably the end of, of the cup window, I guess you could say, as, it, as it's going right now. And it makes the transition a lot easier. I think on the note of Troy Terry, I think that's probably the most interesting thing because when you look at all the prospects and, and talk about black aces and guys who could come up, uh, a lot of the Ducks prospects are going to be in the playoffs and specifically Sam Steele and Josh Maher are going to be going to the, Mor- the Memorial Cup because Regina hosted. So there's no chance that we would see them anyway. Max right. Jones is on a strong team in Kingston. When he comes back from injury, uh, he'll probably be looking to make a long playoff push. And same goes for Comtois and with Victoriaville. And they'll make a, a strong push to go to the Memorial Cup. So all of a sudden it kind of falls on, the spotlight falls on Troy Terry, whose season will end with Denver before the before any you know any longer period uh, than the, the playoffs in, in the CHL. So it could be interesting to see if he gets some time up with the Ducks. I, I think that's the, the most likely option of any of the prospects getting called up would be Troy Terry. Because let's not forget, I mean, San Diego is going to make the playoffs and, and want to make a long push as well. So you probably aren't going to see guys like Kevin Waugh, Giovanni Fiore, Kelly Kosselik coming up because the goals are going to try and make a, a run in the playoffs. And I'm not privy on the rules on coming up from the NCAA, but I'm not sure if Troy Terry could even play for the goals or not. Uh, if, if he was signed, I don't know if he would have to play for Ducks or if he'd have to play for the goals. But either way, uh, if he decides to come over to Anaheim and sign a contract, uh, after his season in Denver, there's a chance we see him either with the Ducks or with the Gulls, which is exciting. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you have this talent pool. Murray didn't, you know, give him up on a rental. And I think that's the biggest uh, thing that really came out of all of this that's helpful for the Ducks. And um, we talk about the playoffs and, and, you know, relying on these guys. And then, of course, who else's name comes up at this event? But <laughs> Patrick Eves, Eddie, his name comes up and everybody goes bonkers because. They talked about him um, skating, how he's doing well, and they basically had a good chance that uh, he could play in the playoffs this season. Um, Murray said for sure he's back next season. That wasn't a, a question. He said that he was working hard and, and that he was hoping to have an answer soon whether or not he could play for this season. And then one of my contacts that I talked to said that he heard he's been doing very well and that it looks like he's going to join the team practice here pretty soon which again is not a guarantee that he's going to come back but of course it's a great sign but you look at all this and, and the way the ducks are playing now eddie you know we got a lot of fan questions about the playoffs you know how, how the ducks going to do we'll kind of take some of those uh, you know take them now and, and whatnot but um it's huge right now the way that this team's playing the like you said the top nine is doing well uh, the top four in defense is doing great gibson is just playing out of his mind again as he has been for most of the season and now you have the possibility of some prospects that maybe to lean on to or maybe even Eves coming in somewhere in the playoff picture. Um, you have to be excited about this team. I mean, they're in second place now. Um, you and I always thought that they would make the playoffs. And here we go with the second half push, Eddie, that we've seen for the last couple of seasons. Yeah, and they're not far behind Vegas. And I'm not going to say that they're going to catch Vegas by any means, but... <laughs> You know, what seemed like an insurmountable lead all of a sudden is only a nine-point lead for Vegas over the Ducks, which is still tough to make up when you the Ducks only have 15 games remaining. But 
it's kind of eerily similar to that season where the Ducks had to catch up to the Kings and all of a sudden came back and, and stormed back and, and won the, the division in, I think it was the last couple of games that they really pulled in front of the Kings and, and were able to clinch it. But any means, I, I think it's great that they're sitting in second, especially the way they've been playing as of late, three wins in a row, seven, two, and one in their last ten. So they've been on a roll when other teams have been struggling because you look at the other teams around them, San Jose is five, four, and one in their last team, the last ten. Vegas has the same record. Calgary is three, five, and two in their last ten. They've kind of just fallen off the pace. They're six points behind Anaheim now, and I think last time we talked – they were within a couple points of the Ducks, and now all of a sudden they've just kind of fallen off the cliff. So they're in a nice position. And, you know, obviously I don't think they have any games remaining against San Jose or L.A. I'm pretty sure they don't. Maybe maybe a game against the Kings. Don't quote me on that. I'll have to check. But Yeah, they do have one, they do have one against the Kings. Okay, so they've got an important game against the Kings. They've got an important game against Dallas coming up. Would normally not seem like an important game, but uh, Ducks and, and Stars are tied with 80 points, same amount of games played, and for a wild card spot. So if the Ducks were to fall out of the Pacific Division standings, that's still an important game to pick up points against Dallas. So it, it's good to see where they are now. I think there's a lot of things they can still work on, but the, the play as of late has been excellent. I think if they continue playing a fraction of what they've been playing for the rest of the season, I think by no means uh, are they going to fall out of the playoff spot. I think it just depends if they're going to finish second or third and, and make a push to even pass Vegas. And, and that's one of the questions that uh, we had from Garrett. You know, It's kind of a two-part question. Uh, we'll go with the first part of it. He says, you know, who would be the ideal matchup for the Ducks in the first round? And I, I still hold firm on this one, Eddie. I, I don't think uh you know the ducks want to play vegas so much in the first round i mean if they end up in that wild card spot uh they have the potential to do that or they could play if there's five teams from the pacific they could end up you know going into the central bracket or whatnot you know the way that that works if you're unfamiliar is the second wild card team if they are the fifth team from a certain division they actually will shift over into the other side so there's some you know a little craziness that can happen there which i don't really like i don't like i like the wild card but i don't like how teams can shift like that because it's not likely to happen but you could have two teams face each other in the conference final i'm just not a fan of that i think it should be a team from each division and that's how it should go but i dig yeah. i digress that's a whole that's a whole nother topic but what do you think you got um, the kings calgary san jose uh, Vegas, who who would you want to see the Ducks play? And then the other part of Garrett's question, who do you think the, uh, you know we don't want them to play in the first round? Yeah, so I'll, I'll focus on the Pacific first, and then I'll move over to the possibility of playing a central team in the wild card. So if you're looking at the Pacific, um, I'm going to kind of exclude the Ducks passing Vegas or Vegas falling off first place just because I think that's going to get in too much of a discussion and in too many matchups. So I'll look at the, the two teams that they're most likely to face in San Jose in LA because I think Calgary has kind of fallen out of the race so we're looking at San Jose in, in LA and who you'd rather face I think it's kind of close um, as of right now I, I would kind of have to side a bit with the Kings and rather face them you know they didn't really add much at the deadline they got Tobias Reeder, Dion Phaneuf obviously Jeff Carter's come back from injury and he's been great for them but I'm just not confident about facing San Jose because I think a lot of their issues have been goaltending this season they haven't really been able to find a guy who's been able to take the reins in Martin Jones or Aaron Dell. And I think if that can come together for them, they're going to be a scary team. Because Evander Kane has started strong for the Sharks. Yep. He's been yep. playing on a line with Don Square and Pavelski, I believe. And, and obviously Logan Couture. You got Joe Thornton. A bunch of guys over there who can hurt you. And, and Brent Burns is a difference maker for that team. So I think that's one you want to avoid. 
Um, I think the, the main thing for the Ducks is getting home ice advantage in at least that first round by finishing second in the Pacific. I think that should be their sole focus right now. Obviously getting in the playoffs to begin with, but hopefully solidifying that home ice advantage at least in the first round to, to get you into a second round matchup I think is going to be important. But LA is a tough matchup too. Like I said, Carter, Kopitar is having a very strong season. You've got guys like Toffoli and Pearson who can hurt you. And of course, Doughty and Quick on the back end uh, are never str- are never. Uh, it's never easy playing against those guys. So, you know, we've, we've seen a lot of these teams over the last few seasons, and I think it's not not really far off in the difference between them two, but I think a, a slight edge, I'd rather play uh, the Kings and the Sharks. Could you imagine a first-round series against L.A.? I mean, that would yeah. be crazy. And we, you know, we Yeah, yeah, and uh, nerve-wracking. Yeah, I wouldn't mind it. Hopefully we knock those you-know-what out. (laughs) Uh, This is a PG show, so we can't really say certain phrases on here, but you know we would like to knock them out, especially after what they did when uh, Solani retired. You know, that was, oh, Mm -hmm. that really burned me bad. I was mad Mm -hmm. that day. I was not a happy camper. So, well, bringing up bad memories. But anyways, if they can play them in the first round, that would be intense. You know, I think that that would get this team. I mean, the team's already motivated, but I mean, if you want to really jumpstart the playoffs, you play the Kings in the first round, you knock them out. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that I think would be a huge lift. I mean, of course, you know, there's always the the, the you know risk of losing to them again, but uh, I, I don't I don't think so. I, I I agree with you. I think since San Jose got Kane, that kind of made it a little bit nerve wracking for everybody. Uh, I rather see the Ducks play the Kings and then see San Jose fight it out with. Uh, vegas and maybe they can beat the crap out of each other a little bit and you know kind of wear each other down maybe i don't know but then of course that's going to happen when the ducks play the kings you know it's the way the playoffs go it's a battle of attrition no matter what but i i I say a slight edge like just like you if the ducks i think play the kings also just for the the sheer crosstown rivalry we all know that that's going to be it's as soon as if that is what happens in the beginning so that's uh, it's going to be exciting but i i agree with you and i I think vegas is the least what do, you, what do you think if uh, you were going to talk about if they had to play in the Central yeah, Division? that's what I'm trying to get to is yeah. if they finish in the wild card, uh, most likely Nashville's going to win the Western Conference based on just the point differential right now. I don't think they're a team who's going to go on a losing streak. I mean, they've won nine in a row. Crazy. We'll, we'll talk about that a bit when we, when we preview the Nashville game a bit. But, yeah, I mean, they're arguably the best team in the National Hockey League right up there with uh, with Vegas, especially uh, – sorry, right up there with Tampa, especially with Vegas slumping a bit. So if, if the Ducks finish in the top wild card spot, they would be facing Vegas, which I think is more favorable than facing Nashville. Um, it's going to be tough because four of those games are going to be in Vegas where they've been almost unbeatable other than the Ducks. I mean, the Ducks shut them out 2 nothing, so it, they can do it. I think it's the better matchup. Vegas has lost four of their last five. Doesn't mean that all of a sudden they're going to regress to the team we expected them to be at the beginning of the season. But by no means do I want to face Nashville in the first round because that is one of the scariest teams in the league and a team that's poised to make a run to not just get to the Stanley Cup final but to win it all. So the Ducks, obviously you've got to focus on making the playoffs, but you definitely want to avoid finishing in that bottom wildcard spot where you get a nice first-round matchup with Nashville because as much as I want to be optimistic, I feel like they're, that is almost impossible to win. I, I mean, you, you can beat them, and it's you, any team can win if they get into the playoffs. And I think the Ducks, out of any of the teams struggling to get in a playoff spot, are one of the, one of the stronger teams and are kind of better than the position they're in right now. But 
uh, that team is just stacked, and, and they're just they're going to get better. I mean, they got Ryan Hartman at the deadline, and he's been good for them. But they have Eli Tolvanen, who you know we're talking about Troy Terry coming over when college is on. They've got this this kid named Eli Tolvanen coming over from the KHL when their playoffs are done. That's going to slot right into their top six and make them even better. I, I mean, they're just going to be a scary, scary team to face, and I I feel bad for any team. <laughs> falls into that bottom wild card spot other than the Kings. I mean if the Kings fall into that bottom wild card spot and play <laughs> and play Nashville, I'll watch that series just to watch Nashville beat up on them, but yeah, you want to avoid having to face them at all in the beginning of the playoffs cuz they they're, they're going to rip through most teams. Yeah, and if the Ducks were going to play Nashville again, then I mean, you know, we've had some difficulties with them the last couple of times obviously facing them in the playoffs. So, yeah. I don't want to play them again. Um, you know, I'm not a big fan of Kings fans, but I'm really not a big fan of Nashville fans either, and I don't want to deal I don't want to have to deal with that. <laughs> uh, but I mean it may happen, you know, we may be dealing with Kings fans in the first round. I mean, who knows? We'll have to see what happens. But I agree with you. I I'd rather see the Ducks stay uh, you know, specifically second place, like you said, get home ice in the Pacific, face, you know, whether it's the Kings, the Sharks, Calgary, whoever it is that it ends up being in, in there. And I think that would be the best route. Who cares about winning the Pacific Division again? U of I have maintained that. <laughs> I think since last season, we maintained that. Even though they were able to do it again last year, we didn't, we, you know, it wasn't a big deal to us. So that's kind of what you're looking at. And, you know, this week, we're, we're maybe getting a preview of some kind of playoff. Uh, battles here, Eddie. Uh, the Ducks are going back to back on the road against Nashville and Dallas. Obviously, the big test in, in Nashville. They're going to face Dallas again, who they frustrated and shut them out last time. So it's going to be interesting to see if Gibson goes in both these games or if Miller goes in one. But uh, two huge games again, Eddie. And unfortunately, the Ducks have to play both these teams, uh, you know, in a back to back scenario. Yeah, uh, Nashville obviously is going to be the tough one because, like we had just said, they're coming in with a nine-game win streak, and not only are they coming in with a nine-game win streak, you're going and playing them at home. So it's going to be a tough matchup. Um, Again, I don't want to be too pessimistic and say they're going to lose. I think it's going to be a very tough game. I mean, the Ducks are playing well lately as well. I mean, they're going in on a three-game win streak, obviously not as impressive as winning nine in a row, but they're playing some good hockey. John Gibson is playing excellent hockey right now, and it's going to be a battle between two of the best goaltenders in the National Hockey League this season in Rene and Gibson. I think it's going to be an awesome game to watch. I hope they can come out with at least a point in this one. But, yeah, it's interesting because I don't think, like you said, I don't think Gibby probably goes for both. I think with the way Miller played against Dallas uh, the last time where he shut them out and had 41 saves, I think it's a it's a nice option to be able to put him in, in there again against Dallas. I believe that was his last start, too. So he's going from yes. from having a good start against Dallas to playing Dallas again. So that'll that'll be interesting to see how it goes. But both both of those teams are, are playing well lately, especially Nashville. So, you know, if they can at least get one of the wins or, or pick up a, a point against Nashville and, and get a win against Dallas, I think we'll be happy. But, you know, we're kind of expecting more and more from this team with their in, increased uh, play as of late. So, you know, I'm not going to count them out against Nashville. I think it's going to be an exciting hockey game. We'll kind of just have to wait and see how it goes. Yeah, and on the topic of that too, uh, you know, programming update. I guess I should say for us is that we'll probably have this show again, uh, maybe after the Dallas game. If not, maybe after that St. Louis game when the Ducks come back on the homestand. We'll, we'll yeah, kind of one of the two. Yeah, one. Yeah, we're trying to do that. So we're trying to maintain the weekly show, uh, and and actually maybe in five or six days we've been kind of doing it shorter. But if you haven't noticed, um, Eddie uh, came up with this idea. Well, actually, I mean. 
came up with both the ideas, the weekly show and now a post-game show, which he and I have done a couple times back in the past, but it's been it's been difficult with schedules. So yeah. we came up with this um, other show. Uh, it's still basically this, the same deal, but it's uh, the Forever Mighty post-game show. And so we have Patrick from the Puck Guys that's helping out. So it's basically us three, uh, mainly Patrick and Eddie. They're the ones doing uh, most of it. And I'll try to jump in there once in a while. My schedule is so crazy with my my real job because this is not my real job. (laughs) But um, if you haven't checked it out, you should. Uh, We have it up on Spreaker. We're also on Twitter on Forever Mighty FM. And there's a lot of stuff that Eddie's doing on there. And, and Eddie, if you want to tell people kind of what's going on, you're doing some three-star stuff. You're doing some more yeah. gifts, different things like that. So take it away. Yeah, just to, to kind of start, I, I mean, I think this is something you and me have wanted to do for a while. Uh, obviously, we, we did it for a bit back in the day when we had a little bit more time. We, we used to do it on Blab, I think, after some games. Uh, rest in peace to Blab. But uh, <laughs> yes. I, think, uh, I think it's nice to finally get this going. I, I know it's something we've wanted to do for a while. It's something I'm excited to get doing. And, and we've got three shows under our belt now um, with the post-game show. And it's gone well. It's been received well so far, which is nice. And for anybody listening that actually has tuned in to those shows, it was, it was great to have you guys in there. We had about 80 people live the first night, 35 the last night, and 42 uh, against Washington. So it's great to have uh, a good support off the bat. I think a lot of that comes from from you guys knowing me and, and Mike from Ducks and Pucks, which is great support uh, on your guys' side. But yeah, we, we do a lot of things over there. Um, we're, we're still working it with, with Ducks and Pucks, so don't worry, it's not separate. So we're, we're working it all together. Uh, it's just nice to be able to do them right after the show. Uh, we usually go live with about 15, about 10, 15 minutes after the game, which is nice because I know a lot of you like to catch it on your ride home. We've had a couple of people tell us that so far. So thank the, thank those people for tuning in right after the game. But yeah, we, we also do a, um, a three-stars leaderboard, which is kind of a fun thing. I mean, you guys are all familiar with uh, some teams. The Ducks have done it occasionally where they do the, the first goal prediction. Uh, we have kind of three different predictions, which we call the three-star leaderboard. So you predict the Ducks' uh, first goal, you predict the final score, and then we have a random one uh, that changes that with each game. Last uh, game against Washington, it was who's going to take the first penalty, and I think most people got that wrong because they chose Bieksa. And we don't really know if BX is going to be in the lineup uh, uh, on a, a nightly basis. So most people picked Richie, which was pretty funny. But, yeah, so we're doing that. We've got gifts up now on Ducks and Pucks as well. We've got some gifts up on Forever Mighty. You'll see a lot of the goals and, and the bigger plays on Ducks and Pucks. And you'll see a lot of the, the funny little odd things on Forever Mighty. So they kind of complement each other there. But, but, yeah, definitely check it out. I mean, if you guys listen to us, you'll like what we're doing over – at the post game show, it, it kind of complements it well. We we break the break down the games in depth, break down anything that had gone on before and after that game, uh, and then it leads right up in into our main show here uh, with the weekly recap. Yeah, absolutely, it's been good. I, I like it. You know, we're able to kind of do a little bit more in depth analysis during the games. Usually, the weekly show, we just kind of cover you know kind of the highlights and talk about team news, maybe league news and fan questions and whatnot. So, it's very good and. Uh, we have it on a separate website because uh, Podomatic doesn't have a live option, or at least we don't know if they have one. I, I haven't seen one, so we kind of had to go that route and do um, Spreaker instead. So that's kind of why the change. I know some people are like, well, why don't you do it on the same one? Well, that's kind of yeah. why. So kind of a logistical thing. We're kind of working out. We may be changing that up over the summer. That's kind of getting ahead of ourselves. But um, you know, we're working on things, so now you've got lots of podcasts. You're getting at <laughs> least uh, three or four shows a week now uh as long as the duck season goes of course and you know also with the weekly show if you um want to advertise on the show or get a shout out we have a patreon website 
Um, it's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Ducks and Pucks. We've had a couple people join, Eddie, and I think uh, you want to give a few people some shout-outs that are donating to the uh, the main podcast right now. Yeah, so I'll give the shout-outs, and then I'll go over it a bit and let everybody know kind of what, what uh, rewards we're offering and, and how it all works. So we had uh, three people donate so far. So Matthew, Matthew Bernay, who's a writer for Ducks and Pucks, donated a dollar per month, so we appreciate that. We had uh, Eddie Richard, who you know personally as well, who donated $20 a month. So that was more than generous. And, and we have a lot of uh, different rewards available for him as well. Uh, and then we have uh, Gridiron Blogger on Twitter, who also came in and uh, donated $10 per month. So it, it's been great. The, the support so far has been excellent. I, I think it's kind of more than we expected. I, I think it was nice to, to get those people in there supporting the, the podcast. I mean, we didn't really expect uh, anybody to come in, but for, for everybody to, to really step up and, and help us out has been exciting. And, and it's not for nothing either. I mean, we've got a lot of uh, different things we can offer. Like I said, we have the, the dollar one, which is just helping support the show. We've got the $5 one, which you get a follow from Ducks and Pucks on Twitter. You get a Ducks and Pucks towel, access to our monthly segment show, which gets released on Patreon, uh, which we're starting up this month. Uh, and then you'll receive a shout out like we just gave uh, from me and Mike on the show for your generous support. We've got the $10 one, which I just said that Gridiron Blogger had um, had set up. And uh, this one kind of bumps it up a bit. You get a Ducks and Bucks t-shirt for uh, every six months that you're a subscriber. You get to choose the topic for the, the segment show for the month. Uh, you'll also receive some stickers for Ducks and Pucks to show your support everywhere. And you get access to everything in the tiers above it. And then for the last one that, uh, well, the last one for fans at least is the $20 one per month. And this is what uh, Eddie Richard has generously supported us with. And you get everything that I had already mentioned. You get a t-shirt every three months. And you get to come on the show with me and Mike for 10 to 15 minutes to talk about anything you want Ducks related. Uh, kind of gets you guys involved in the show, which is always exciting. So it, it's nice to have that set up uh, to get that extra content out out for you guys. And if you guys want to support the show, it, it helps us a ton. Helps us with any of the costs that we have involved with the show. Uh, and honestly, it helps us make the show better. I mean, it, anything that anybody's willing to support just helps us make this show better and get it out to you guys and, and get different content out to you guys any way we can. Yeah, and part of that too, we're bringing back one other thing, Eddie, is uh, we're giving away some tickets. We've done that before uh, in the past. We're bringing that back. So uh, for the weekly show, if you listen to it and you subscribe to it, and then also if you follow um, Ducks and Pucks on Twitter, what we're doing is these this show and the next two, we're doing the giveaway. It's the, the key phrase. If you remember from before, basically there's a word that we'll mention, which we're going to do right now, uh, on each of the three shows. At the end of that third show, we'll send out a tweet or an email or something, and we'll say, hey, email us what the phrase is, and then basically we give you guys a couple days to do it, and we just randomly pick someone that has a phrase. We make it easy, uh, you know, yeah. it's just to get you guys involved and whatnot. We have two tickets. They're aisle seats um, on the blue line uh, in the 400 section, third row up uh, from the rail, so they're pretty good seats. And that'll be on April 1st. And no, this is not an April Fool's joke. This is for real. We're really doing this. So <laughs> please don't think it, it, it's, um, you know, uh, just us fooling around. We're actually being serious. <laughs> so uh, the word for the, this week's show is ducks. So that's the, the word this week, ducks. And then we'll have a you know word next week and then the following week. And then we'll uh, ask for you guys to do your submissions. So we have that going on. Um, we have the stuff like Eddie said on Patreon. We have the other post game show going on. So we got a lot of stuff for you. If you're into the podcast, you're into listening to the shows and whatnot, 
Um, we're kind of going all out here, and hopefully if the Ducks yeah. go in the playoffs too. I think everybody's so. kind of been waiting for the entire show for that key phrase because yeah, yeah, we're trying to do it earlier. Yeah. I know I stood on it earlier. I, I no, kind of... no, yeah. If you, if you haven't seen it, uh, <laughs> yeah. we have the post on Twitter, uh, and we put out there that it said that there was going to be a keyword somewhere randomly throughout the show. So if if you're listening and you're waiting for the keyword, there it is. Um, I got to do a little bit of housekeeping here just so sure. I, I don't offend any of the patrons here. Um, I had mentioned Gridiron Blogger is uh, the $10 a month patron we have right now. Uh, while I was loading a patron to get his real name and give him a, a, a proper shout-out, so it's Bob Wiley uh, that we want to give a shout-out to for the, the $10 patron. I just wanted to, to make sure we clear that up before anything. And, and the last thing as well, uh, if you guys want, head over onto iTunes and give us a review and a rating. It, it helps us a lot to get the show out there. Uh, it's something easy to do. Just head over onto our iTunes if, if you feel like you know, hyping our show up a bit. And with that, we will be back, hopefully, uh, after uh, the Ducks take on Nashville and Dallas and crush them. We'll see. And uh, let's go Ducks.